Welcome back to Teaching Matters, the University of Edinburgh's hub for discussing, promoting, and showcasing teaching and learning around the university. We are a website, blog, podcast, and possibly most importantly, a small group of people passionate about providing platforms for conversations surrounding teaching and learning. This episode marks the beginning of our Media Hopper series, which investigates the usefulness and stories of Media Hopper Create. An important place to start is, what is Media Hopper Create? If you aren't a student, staff, or employee of the University of Edinburgh, you might be unfamiliar with the service. Media Hopper Create is the university's media asset management system, which puts video at the heart of teaching, learning, research, and public engagement. As you can imagine, Media Hopper Create has become even more integral to teaching and learning with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this episode, four staff members from across the university discuss how they each individually use Media Hopper Create in their work and which features they find particularly helpful. They also touch on its utility during the pandemic. Their conversation begins with each participant introducing themselves and the variety of ways that they use Media Hopper Create. Um, I'm Jo Merrifield. I'm the Education Programme Manager at the Edinburgh Clinical Research Facility, which is a joint venture between uh, the University and NHS Lothian. So we probably have quite a unique model of uh, course delivery within the University because we don't just deliver to university staff and students, we deliver to the NHS as well and also anyone who's interested in our courses. All our courses are, are about clinical research and we tend to deliver short courses which are half day courses through to two weeks is probably our longest course. We used to deliver completely in-person training um, prior to the pandemic, and obviously the pandemic completely changed all of that. So we have had to transition into the digital world, and the team have done a phenomenal job with that. And we really took the time to work out how best to transform our programme to suit the digital platforms that we were using. And actually, the use of media was really important to us to uh, sort of give our program variety and to sort of give it accessibility as well. So the good thing about Media Hopper Create for us is that anyone can access it. So it doesn't matter if they're university or not. So that, that's a real win for us. And we use it in a variety of different ways. We use it for webinar recordings. Um, we do flipped classroom approach courses. We use it to sort of do welcome to courses before, um, before people um, come on the course. We have open educational resources. And we also use media within our content to to break up sort of the the um, sort of having just one speaker talking all the time during our courses. So I'm really thank you for inviting me along. I think media is a great use in in especially in this digital world of education. So thank you, everybody. Uh, Michael Gallagher. I am a program director of the MSc in digital education, which is a fully online program and has been since about 2004. I'm also a lecturer in the Center for Research and Digital Education. All of that is in, in Maury House. And so we have been using Media Hopper Create, I think, for a few different reasons. I mean, we use it on the program, and that's largely around having, uh, well, we have done it before, not as much now, but using it for student work. Students can create work or assist work and these sorts of things and submit it that way. So sometimes we use it for those purposes. More often than not, we're using it for 
kind of like contextualizing activity around the program. So I think similar to Joe, you, like you're using it like as a welcome to the program. You know, here's some different resources. We're in the process of creating, you know, resources that will help our international students because the, I think at this point, the majority of our students are, are international just because more or less because it's an online program. Uh, so we use it for those reasons. And uh, personally, I use it uh, because I helped Last summer in particular, I helped run uh, a course for the university on an Edinburgh model for teaching online. And we uh, had about 600 or so staff members who took the course in some way, shape or form, even if only enrolling on the course. Uh, we collected a lot of the resources for the course in a channel on Media Hopper Create. And uh, same as Joe, it's just very nice because it has this inside outside kind of thing. It's not exclusive. Uh, to people within the university. So it can be shared a little bit more broadly. And there's a few other reasons, a few other channels I have for it. And then a lot of, a lot of those are external uh, facing projects, you know, with, with uh, NGOs or something along those lines. There is another reason I use it as well. And it's for this, uh, what we're doing right now is I have two other podcasts going. One on our program, we do like a program level podcast where we just sort of interview students and talk to them at their experiences and how they came to the program. And another, which is called the M&M &M podcast, which is just uh, a colleague from uh, uh, Information Services Group and I just sort of discussing, you know, technology and the role it has on education at the university. So we use Media Hopper Create to syndicate those channels to make them a little bit easier to be picked up by the podcasting services. So that's basically how I use it. Thanks for inviting me along. Um, I'm Val McCune. I'm Professor of University Education and Deputy Director at the Institute for Academic Development. One of the way, main ways that we use Media Hopper is within our Postgraduate Certificate in Academic Practice, which is a programme for staff in the university who want to develop as teachers. So within that programme, my part of the programme has always been taught wholly online, even pre-pandemic. So I use short videos created in Media Hopper to introduce topics, for example, but also to introduce short recorded conversations between people with interesting backgrounds in education, just so that our learners can hear people talking through educational issues in engaging ways. So that, that's one of the main uses. We also use Media Hopper across a lot of our other um, Institute for Academic Development work whether that's creating learning resources that could be podcast, video discussions, all sorts of different things, and also to just record whole events so that people can listen back to them as well. And then a third way that I use Media Hopper is for research dissemination. So making short videos about research projects or publications um, to draw attention to some of the ideas from research. And I've noticed some of the academic journals have started inviting you to submit a video summary of your paper. So I've used it for that as well. I think the reason that I and colleagues and ID like to use it is that it's a fairly straightforward way to learn to do podcasts and videos. There's not a huge learning curve to get the hang of it. And also the hosting is very straightforward. So I was really keen to use video more years back and I couldn't work out either the making of the video or the hosting of the videos in a manageable way. And Media Hopper 
really solve that problem for us. So I think that that's the main things that we do with Media Hopper. And like others, we like that it's easily accessible to the outside world as well. My name is Brian Mather, and I'm one of the senior e-learning developers at the Vet School. I've been producing video content since I started at the university, so that's about nine years. So long before the Media Hopper platform was available, so I saw I saw what there was before, and I saw all the challenges of not having it, and that in itself is is kind of an amazing thing to see develop. Um, so I, I got to be part of the procurement process as well. So I saw the other tools that were available and, and the, the kind of the potential that was available of getting Media Hopper. When I first started, um, I, I worked predominantly with the postgraduate online programs. All of the content we were producing was was kind of online and digital. So video was a was a natural part of of the product that I wanted to include. But we ended up producing a lot for undergraduate as well. The, the vet school, because it's a very practical and hands-on program at the, the Bachelor of Medical Science, the opportunity to, to kind of go quite deep into the instructional videos was there. And we used a, a PTAS award, a Principal's Teaching Award Scheme grant early on to buy some equipment and to, to create a a student-led project where they would they would let us know what they were interested in, what they thought was missing from their teaching, and we kind of involved a couple of students producing content. And it gave me a chance to teach people how they could produce more dynamic and interesting videos. Um, so that process was was really important, and it's been a big part of working with my colleagues in the vet school because I was teaching people how they could produce videos as I was producing videos with them. So it gave us a chance to make some more interesting and, and kind of practical products. And it turns out that in the last two years, when I can't be there to, to oversee and to kind of help them produce things, a lot of them are, are doing an excellent job of generating themselves. And if it wasn't for Media Hopper, they'd be, they might create these beautiful videos, but trying to share them with the students would have been so much harder. So the fact that you can embed it within learn courses, you can link out to different things. We actually were using QR codes linking to videos quite a long time ago. And now the university is also providing QR codes so you can incorporate access to videos in, in live spaces, which is really nice for, for our clinical skills teaching or for um, kind of learning how to use equipment in the space in the vet school. So there was, there's kind of a lot of potential there. And Media Hopper worked really nicely with that. Uh, initially, we were producing things that had to go on YouTube because there was no other means of, of kind of sharing them with students. And now Media Hopper has kind of filled in a lot of the gaps. It's given us some kind of protection for the content we produce. Not all vet material is stuff that you want open to the world. So by having different uh, channel uh, permissions, we can... It can be, have a bit more control over who has access to things, even, even letting some of that material be visible to other students in the university can be quite contentious. So it's actually, it's, it's been incredibly useful with, with the kind of permissions element, but also for, for marketing videos, 
I know marketing seems to be moving back to using YouTube for things to access a wider audience, but by incorporating a lot of stuff in Media Hopper, again, you're you're kind of keeping your branding and keeping your audience together. Sometimes our shooters will ask for YouTube videos to be included in learn courses. And if it was a link straight out to YouTube, then you've no idea what students are being directed to at the end of the video or what advertising is being included. So the fact that Media Hopper also allows you to incorporate YouTube links and it stops the advertising getting through has, has been really useful to us. Um, so yeah, there's countless things that make it a, a really valuable tool, but the, the ease of access and the ease of uploading content and sharing is, is tremendous. And in the last year, we've had to produce a lot more video content. So every, every lecture that we've shared with the students has had to go onto Media Hopper and has had automatic subtitling. And that facility has been tremendous. Like the more video content we were producing, the more burden we were generating on trying to create uh, transcripts and subtitles. So yeah, I, I see the service improving constantly. So it's great to be a part of it. We've heard a variety of uses for Media Hopper Create thus far. Lecture recordings, student assessment, student staff co-creation, creating learning resources, podcasts, and research dissemination. One thing I embarrassingly didn't know as a podcaster at the University of Edinburgh is that you can actually create a podcast through Media Hopper and distribute it to Apple Podcasts. I also found Brian's point about keeping your audience together fascinating. If you were to just link people to YouTube, you'd have no idea where they'd be directed afterwards or what kind of advertising they'd experience. Media Hopper allows creators to decide who can view their content, allowing it to be inclusive while protecting those who are meant to view it. Now, the group's conversation turns to the tools and features that they find particularly useful in Media Hopper, including its accessibility and interoperability with other systems. Beyond sort of how we use it, how I mentioned we use it in the in the little introduction there. I think in terms, uh, I would probably reiterate uh, Brian's point there that the, the transcription function in particular, the captioning function in particular has been, has been invaluable. Uh, similar, I think, to what Brian was discussing. I think we were starting to generate amounts or just not just on, the pro on my particular program, but like through these other projects and programs I work on, we were starting to generate video in the amount that was proving very, very cumbersome to to make it accessible, obviously, uh, in the ways that we're supposed to do. So that automated transcription function was quite good. Uh, the other bit around how we use Media Hopper sort of became, we, we felt like we were working on our own program and sort of in our own little world and kind of a bubble there. Uh, and then, you know, COVID came and then we had these situations. We were working quite closely across the university and helping programs and course organizers and things sort of translate their uh, their content online and to their teaching online. And this was especially true. I was working closely with Maury House and then a little bit centrally as well. And I found that, it, at least from my own perspective, I'm not sure this is something we would point to as a, as a you know exemplary example of how to use Media Hopper, but I used it strict from the mobile phone. So installing the application that you could record directly from your phone into 
uh, media hopper I found to be quite useful as well. In that, I was trying to communicate how you might do this to faculty, you know, tutors and these sorts of things who, were, who weren't extraordinarily comfortable with the technological parts of, of videos in particular. I think it carries with it, video just carries with it this whole kind of cumbersome set of expectations about it has to be extraordinarily polished and it has to be uh, produced to a particular, you know, standard and these sorts of things. And often we were trying to get across the point that this is about you communicating with your students in a meaningful way. And they'll appreciate the effort and the sort of the intimacy that sort of that kind of uh, production would entail if you're just using your mobile phone and maybe a little bit like a stand of some sort or a tripod of some sort. So those sorts of things we were trying to get across to faculty during that transition period, you know, like in March, April, May last year. And then I carried that back into my own teaching practice as well. So I do weekly introductions to all my lessons now using my phone and sort of in, in, in embed those into to Media Hopper or take that and then embed that into the learning management system that we use on our program. So those sorts of things is, are how I'm sort of taking it back uh, myself. That's I, I suppose those are probably the prime examples of how I use it alongside that uh, syndication functionality too. I think that's really important. Uh, doing a podcast without that support in the Media Hopper level would be kind of cumbersome. That's a really interesting point you pick up about people fearing that it needs to be a polished article before they can publish it. And certainly that was my concern when we actually started using Media Hopper before the pandemic. We used to run a seminar series that not many people were actually turning up in the room, but we were able to use recording equipment in the lecture theatres to then be able to um, put these on Media Hopper. And I was so anxious to begin with to make sure these looked really well presented. And I think there's always that nervousness that you're going to sort of present something that maybe you don't want to share with the wider community, etc. But actually, I think we, yeah, I, I, I think my fears were kind of unfounded. I think that obviously you need to be careful of the content you're sharing, obviously, but actually we were happy to share this with the people in the room. So we should therefore be happy to share this um, further afield. So actually, I feel like my confidence has has um, increased in that. And actually, it doesn't always need to be polished. People yeah, appreciate just having that variety and having a different um, method of communication uh, available to them. So I think that's a, a really good point. Coming in on some of the things that Joe and Michael have been saying about accessibility and usability. So one of the things that I really like about using Media Hopper and then modeling it for the teachers who were supporting with their teaching development is that it lets you do lots of things that make it accessible in the sense of not being too hard to use and also accessible in the sense of including diverse groups of students. So the fact that you could use it on a mobile phone and not necessarily using fancy technology and that you could use it just with audio if bandwidth's an issue that somebody with caring responsibilities could pick up a recorded conversation in the evening when it suits them, or somebody who has to work can pick things up at a time that works for them. So all of those different aspects of accessibility and inclusion are really important for us in the Institute for Academic Development. So what I've been trying to do with RPG Cat participants is 
both model that and what we do because we find quite often our PGCAP participants will copy some of the things that we do in our teaching but also explain to them why it is that we're doing things in the ways that we're doing them and what the different possible advantages are of that so I think that that's some of the other things that are really valuable about Media Hopper. Maybe um, taking us into a slightly different tack, something I found useful recently is the interoperability with other systems. So I've been learning to use a piece of software, free software called DaVinci Resolve for video editing. And what I found is it's really quite easy to make something in Media Hopper, download it out of Media Hopper, do various things with it in the editing software and put it back. All of that's quite straightforward, even though I'm not particularly technologically minded and don't have a lot of time to learn new tech. So that puts me in a position where I can both do myself and model for others that you can create videos that have some music, some zoom over photographs, some shifts into split screen, some bits with video and slides, some bits with audio and slides, without it being the kind of huge learning curve that um, academic colleagues quite often don't have time for. So you can kind of model some of the different possibilities for making videos a bit more engaging without trying to make them shiny and perfect because I don't think they need to be that. Yeah, that's that's absolutely something we've we've encountered. So having seen what's possible with a little production effort, a lot of our lecturers were slightly put off by producing things themselves. But even the the basic editing functions within uh, Media Hopper have been really useful for for kind of putting people at ease. So the fact that you can you can top and tail within the tool and you don't have to download, you don't have to involve other uh, creative software has been really useful. And even I, I think the editing tools improved over the last couple of years as well. So you can remove sections within the recording and where we've had more and more lecture recording in lecture theatres produced. It's been transferred from Media Hopper Replay to Media Hopper Create. And there's a facility in there to edit and, and kind of remove the sections of blank space where people are shifting between rooms. A lot of, a lot of very simple editing tools if you understand anything about editing, but when it's not your, it's not your ballpark at all, it's fantastic for them to just be there and to be pretty user uh, user intuitive. Thank you for listening to the first episode of our Media Hopper series. In next week's episode, the group reunites to discuss tips, tricks, and challenges with Media Hopper. Teaching Matters is brought to you by the University of Edinburgh's Institute for Academic Development. For more posts and conversations about teaching and learning, head to our blog. We'd be delighted for you to join the conversation. To do so, please email us at teachingmatters.ed.ac.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider following us on Spotify or subscribing on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Music for today's episode was provided by Hook Sounds. Stay curious.